Hi, and welcome to the Thai Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with my good friend, Semi Baramdan, who's based in Silicon Valley, um, a serial entrepreneur and a technologist uh, who's uh, currently a VP with ePay and a technical fellow. We covered a bunch of um, interesting topics, starting with his path from NE10C all the way to Silicon Valley, and then uh, what we see as a growing trend of entrepreneurship and startup scene in Tunisia, and um, some of the lessons learned along the way, and hopefully ways to really um, continue the momentum because entrepreneurship and this uh, energy of young Tunisian startups could be a great way for the revolution to achieve its goals of growth and economic prosperity. Enjoy the episode and talk to you soon. Sammy, welcome to the uh, to the Thai podcast. Hope you're doing well. For uh, our listeners, Sammy is an old friend of mine and uh, a pride of Tunisia. He has been in Silicon Valley for many, many years. Uh, educated in Tunisia, he worked in France and then moved uh, to the U.S. He'll give us more details. And I'm particularly pleased to uh, host him today on this uh, episode of Thai Podcast to discuss uh, the VC activities in Tunisia, what he sees uh, as a situation of startups in Tunisia post-revolution, and uh, the hope that this, uh, the young entrepreneurs represent for the economic future of a country that... Uh, achieved uh, a miracle by uh, moving from a dictatorship to democracy, but where the economy is still slow and hasn't really achieved the objectives of the revolution in terms of employment and prosperity. So lots of things coming up. Uh, Sami, welcome. How are you thank doing? You, thank you. Thank you, Mondor. Uh, happy to be here and thank you for uh, uh, the nice words. So to get started, Sami, uh, could you please uh, give us uh, an overview of who Semi Boromdan. Many people know you, obviously, right? But if you could uh, provide uh, um, uh, the short history sure. of Semi Boromdan from NC, NEAT NC, all the way to today's Silicon Valley. Sure, yeah. So uh, Semi Boromdan, uh, native of Tunis, Tunisia, uh, graduated from uh, NC in the first class. 1988, did the two years of uh, uh, what they call preparation in, uh, in it, then moved to the NC as uh, the first year when it opened. Graduated in 1988 and then worked in France for eight years in a company called WeSoftfirst and then uh, I moved to work with Apple Computer in Europe until 1995 where I got uh, actually relocated to the US in Cupertino to work for Apple in, uh, here in headquarters in the US. Uh, after, as it was 1995, in 1996, I created the first startup, which was uh, uh, built a product that is uh, HTML with Zwig Editor. At the time, it was really uh, the time of HTML and, and, the, and the HTTP, the internet, Netscape went public that year. The web becoming uh, kind of uh, the, the birth of the web at the scale of, uh, of the human being. So... Uh, we thought that that's a product that could uh, be a good uh, uh, success, and it happened actually like that. So we sold it to a semantic corporation after a bid with Microsoft and Netscape. 
Then I, uh, I joined Symantec, worked for the Java division for three years. Uh, and after three years, we created another startup, actually, with the general manager of the Java division, myself and another uh, friend. And uh, we, we created the company called M7, specialized in the uh, middleware, Java middleware, G2EE at the time. So that story left, uh, that story uh, stayed for, we worked on for five, five or six years, I think, total. And we did a successful exit to uh, BE system that was then acquired after that to uh, Oracle Corporation. After I left Oracle after one year and then I joined eBay uh, in 2009. And now I'm still at eBay working as the vice president of technology and uh, technical fellow there. One of the few uh, technical fellows and uh, a major achievement that makes us all proud. Uh, Sammy, to go back to the experiences, right? I mean, there is there is an impression, and please let me know if you agree or disagree. In general, right, we tend to say that Tunisians are uh, traders by nature, right? It comes from the Phoenician times, whatever. Uh, Tunisians are not really uh, entrepreneurs, or we don't have the, uh, let's say, the... Uh, the tendency to start things, right? I mean, many youngsters are looking for, uh, or most youngers, uh, youngsters, let's say, are usually looking for a good job that they can use to really uh, move ahead in life, etc. But they're not like uh, typical uh, uh, American youngsters where a sense of entrepreneurship is almost like embedded in them from a young age, right? Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, right, I'm interested in, in hearing from you whether you agree or disagree, but more importantly, to go back to your first startup, right, uh, was it because you were in Silicon Valley or can you dig deeper into how did yes, you overcome the fear or the fear of the unknown, right, to basically jump into a startup and because obviously... Yeah. We hear about all the successes, but there is a very high percentage of failure. So how did you make that, that transition? Yeah. So I, I think it's not a matter of uh, background or genes here. I mean, uh, you can think about trading in uh, like 3,000 years ago was something of uh, uh, kind of creative too, right? I mean, it was so it depends. I think I, I think that you could. I don't think it has to do with with the uh, with the gene. It has to do with the culture a little bit. It has to do with the environment, but mainly it has to do with the entrepreneur. I think entre entrepreneurship is mainly about the entrepreneur himself, and not about the uh, the, the outcome. Uh, so. It depends on how you are born and raised. If you've been encouraged since you're. Uh, uh, young to uh, explore, to uh, think independently, to try to solve problems, to be curious. I think that is the first. If you are, if you don't have those uh, f uh, basic, uh, let's say, it's not skills. If you are not curious, if you don't think out of the box, if you not, if you are not creative, if you are not, uh, let's say, responsible and rely on yourself, you'll have problem being entrepreneur because being entrepreneur is really being out of your comfort zone being in on the edge and there is a lot of personality that of the entrepreneur that makes you uh, successful or not so for me the fact i've never th i've never thought that i will leave tunisia by the way i when i went oh. actually for an internship it was in france and it's a, it's a, the story tells you a lot because i was doing an internship and the company in france offered me a job with a, at the time with a, a salary that was for me kind of unbelievable right for someone who never worked, never had like more than five dinars in his pocket to find himself actually with that offer. 
But I said, you know what, I'm not going to say yes. Went back to Tunisia and talked to uh, the, the responsible of the school over there who sent me to some of the uh, banks around and some uh, uh, energy company to look at jobs in Tunisia. But there was no comparison, right? There, for someone who is uh, uh, curious, passionate about what he does, which was uh, software at the time, I could not find myself working those jobs. So I went back and I accepted it. And that by itself is starting, it's, it's not given to anyone to decide on a month I'm going to leave the country, the family, and go abroad. So that, those are the kind of decisions that an entrepreneur will do. Yeah, of course. Almost em embrace the unknown, right? So, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, yeah. And I went there, and then two, three, since day one of the work, my goal was to be the best. It was not about, it was to solve the most challenging problems and to be the best in what I do. And that is the second, uh, second uh, thing that you have to do. If you are not looking to be the best, if you're look, look, not looking to uh, go and uh, solve challenging problems, difficult problems, you will never be on the edge too. So it will be one of many and not very exceptional person. So the, the, those are thing, th things that I, found, that I found in myself. I was discovering myself at the time. But I think it's the result of some uh, of how I was raised, of how I was thinking, and uh, I'm sure that uh, some some uh, some of that actually played. And then, of course, the uh, well, the second move is uh, think about someone established in France for eight years, having two kids, a one year old and three years old, suddenly decided to move to the U.S. That's also that's not that's not a very it was not a something uh, that when I look back right now, it was not something that it was very easy to do. But at the time, I did it on the spot. I didn't even think. Then I realized when I went there that, oh, it's difficult. I have kids. <laughs> so, yeah, different I, country, different continent, different culture, different, different language. Exactly. Moving from Paris to Cupertino, it's a difference, a big, big, big difference. I mean, uh, you go out, there is nobody walking on the street. Everybody's in a car. You go to buy something you have to drive to. Go to you lose your friends, your network. Uh... No friends, no network. Family are like uh, nine hours ahead of you, different time zones. Uh, we had to discover to put the kids in school, to have, to get a house, to get a car. To... So all of those things that, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's not that difficult, but still, actually, it's an adventure for someone coming from uh, from Europe, especially who is not European native, is from Tunisia. So that, that tells you also a little bit about uh, the entrepreneur mentality. And it's not a surprise that one year later, uh, we found ourselves, uh, my friend and me, thinking about doing something. Because when you are in the valley and you have this kind of uh, the, the way of thinking, automatically you'll find yourself trying to uh, look for opportunity to, to do something. And that's, that's how it was. So, but I, again, looking back and see a lot of my friends and family around, they feel like that was a big achievement. I felt like, you know, it was natural and uh, I had to do it uh, to pursue my, uh, my dreams and to be on the edge of software uh, industry. So it was, it was kind of uh, almost natural. And that's yeah, why I think it, it, is, it is really about the entrepreneur more about anything else. The, the second thing would be the ecosystem, right? You can be very curious, but you can actually uh, use that curiosity and that creativity in something bad. You can think about, you can, I see a lot of creativity, a lot of uh, uh, good attitude in Tunisia, not only in Tunisia, even in, the, in all sorts of the, the Balkan countries, because it's very hard to live in, in, in these countries, right? People have very, very creative, but just to get by, not very creative to, to go and solve the uh, world problems. Yeah. I mean, especially this uh, for you, 
And uh, this was during like a very historic period in the evolution of Silicon Valley, right? The mid mid to late 90s was truly the internet is the the access to the world wide web was was truly taken off uh, it was uh, an unbelievable period and yeah and, it was and, i mean so yeah. i was so lucky i was I, I came here in a period where i mean the yahoo the google the ebay the uh, amazon were forming and uh, and uh, and some of them starting some of them going public so it was the era where uh, the internet was really uh, taking off. I mean, it, it is now that I was very, I'm very, very thankful to, to have that opportunity to be during that, that, those times. Yeah. It's, it was a step function. It's not like what we have today. You know, you have AI and you have uh, security, you have robotics. Those are not those evolution kind of. But uh, when, I st when I started here, it was a step function, a big step function, people moving from uh, big computer to small to uh, PCs and then being connected and then having you know mail, uh, internet, uh, web. It, it is really it was a big step function that I've. Uh, yeah, it's used. interesting when you mentioned like some of the pioneers, right? I, I like in my case when I I recall landing in San Jose Airport for the first time in 1997 and then getting a rental car and then driving around. I felt. Having been a reader of uh, PC Magazine, as if like I'm going through the pages of PC Magazine, it was truly a surreal experience to me, right? To exactly. see all of those names in person that you have seen for years yeah, yeah. on uh, the pages of Magazine. It was very funny. Yeah, I still I had, remember uh, the impression uh, on I, me. I had the same feeling. Uh, <laughs> I, was actually, uh, I was reading Bytes since, I mean, I was like almost 13 years old. And I remember there was uh, one of, in one of the uh, editions of that magazine, there was a, a Silicon Valley uh, uh, map, but it's a map of the companies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Within a very short distance, you can see the Apple, the HPs, the and I remember actually in the Silicon Valley, in the different companies, they have that that map almost everywhere because that was uh, uh, that was very common to have it because it has like twenty twenty five of the biggest companies in the software and hardware in the world located within miles. Between yeah, yeah. So, so you mentioned something that I want to kind of use as a segue to another topic, right? You mentioned the ecosystem, and it's very important, right? Because obviously, where, where you find yourself, uh, the kind of um, uh, dynamic environment you're in, or are people like looking to build companies versus people are looking to go into agriculture or other fields or whatever? Even in the U.S., right? If you're yeah. in in Birmingham, Alabama you wouldn't have the same kind of like incentives to start a company than if you're like from the Bay Area or Boston or, or Austin, Texas or something. So on, on the topic of ecosystem, if we were to kind of switch uh, now continents and countries and go to Tunisia, you have been tremendously involved in the ecosystem. It's almost like your way of giving back to the community, which is something I admire in you. Many people do. Um, how do you judge the evolution of the ecosystem in Tunisia? You were an activist, you were a political activist pre-revolution. You have seen the side of the, the democratic experience and the business uh, evolution. How do you see the ecosystem in Tunisia and its evolution and where it should go? Yeah, so first of all, yeah, I completely agree the ecosystem is the, the, the second biggest uh, component of uh, success of entrepreneur. I mean, without the ecosystem, you can be very smart, you can be very creative, but still, actually, the ecosystem can be a handicap. So the ecosystem is different. When you are in the Silicon Valley and you get inspired by all these companies who are being small startup, garage startup, and they're all succeeded, and you see around you, that inspires you. And inspiration is one of the 
the the biggest encouragement that that you can get uh, uh, to 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 start something. So I've been uh, following Tunisia, of course. I mean, since I left, and the uh, so pre uh, revolution, there was there there was an ecosystem. It could be, but there are a few entrepreneurs trying to do things on the side. There is no connection between them. There is no events that bring them together. There was no program, uh, economic program, or incentives to. Uh, to promote uh, the entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurship in Tunisia was really people were the aspiration is to have a uh, to be safe, basically uh, make sure that they are not uh, being uh, uh, vocal or anything like that to attract the attention of the government at the time. Uh, they wanted to have a good life. Uh, the, the big inspiration was really people who have money, have cars, and have houses. That's that's what uh, mm. mostly it's, it's about. Uh, having, it's not about achieving things or building things or material possessions more it was, than anything. It was material possession because the role models were all uh, the Trabelsi and the uh, uh, and the Ben Ali and the, and the like, right? So that that was the, the success story of the of the uh, of the country. So there, we didn't have people entrepreneurs who were successful who were around and uh, and every every big very few entrepreneurs actually from the not entrepreneurs but very few industrial were. Uh, uh, not tainted by corruption or by the uh, banalism at the time. Uh, hopefully there were there were some, but not mostly of them were like the bad role model. So even if they were a lot of entrepreneurs, a small, a few entrepreneurs, I didn't know all of them. My first uh, experience meeting entrepreneur was in 2011 after the revolution. I think it was October 2011, and I was uh, lucky to be. Uh, invited to be as part of uh, the U.S. Department of State delegation to uh, North Africa, and that was for promoting entrepreneurship. So that was one of the first uh, events I've been. Uh, it was a, a U.S. Uh, PMB, not PO program, it's called, promotion. Mm. Of, uh, I don't remember exactly the, 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 the words for that, but it was really for promoting entrepreneurship. And, and So we went to Morocco, we went to Algeria, and then we went to Tunisia. And I will tell you the difference between those. And, yeah, by all means. So when we went to Tunisia, the, we, we had like events we uh, organized by Microsoft. It was like bringing startups, and at the, at the time these are Microsoft had a program where they have uh, uh, they was they were trying to promote uh, and uh, kind of incubate uh, ideation, I would say, of uh, of, prom of entrepreneur at the time. And it was there was very good. Uh, the, the number was there. Very few in technology, mostly and there was audio, uh, audio and uh, video production. There was uh, startups in the medical uh, era. Some of the of them in the agriculture. Very few, I think. There was a couple of gaming company at the time. But at least you can see that when when we start organizing this kind of event, we've seen people coming, and some of them like very recent, two three years old companies, or, or still at the idea level. Uh, but since then. For, if I compare 2011-2017, it's a huge uh, achievement that happened. I mean, if I, if I look right now, all the, uh, the incubators, the co-working space, the ideators, the uh, like Biat Lab, Flat Six Lab, uh, the uh, fo uh, Founder Institute over there. We even have actually a uh, uh, lot of a uh, lot of uh, events and uh, even conferences around the world around startups and things like that. So it it, it did change. But in 2011, it was really very, very uh, 
it, I would say it was a birth for me because I, I, I can, you can see it, even the mentality people trying to tell you about their startup, but they were, uh, the mentality is they were scared to tell you, uh, to tell you enough so that you can steal their idea. So you come to pitch for a startup, but you were not able to tell them what you do. That's how it was. So that's the mentality, but uh, that tells you a lot, right? Because people were used to uh, getting ideas stolen, getting projects stolen, so they were not even able to talk about it comfortably. Yeah. The, difference, the difference between, so when you went to Morocco at the time, Morocco had already a big ecosystem, right? And there was banks behind them, there was government behind them. And, uh, but if I compare the, the quality of the startups, I would say they're very comparable at the time. But there was a lot of, uh, of encouragement and a lot of infrastructure in, in Morocco. And there was a program really promoting it. Algeria was completely different. Algeria, the people, were the, the entrepreneurs that I've seen and the ideas and the, uh, are really very good. But uh, the, 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 they were more, mostly local. They're thinking local. And the, the program was not really uh, open to the, to the outside. It was mostly to the inside. But uh, the ecosystem is there. I mean, um, is, is very good I mean, in Algeria compared to, to the rest from a quality perspective. Which was Wow, very, this is kind of surprising, isn't it? Were you surprised? Because I was pretty really sure. Yeah, I was wow. surprised because I was not expecting, especially in the in the technology, I was not expecting that to see these kind of uh, of uh, entrepreneurs and the software and the internet uh, that advanced. Uh, and uh, they have a lot of uh, encouragement and they get a lot of money to uh, from different uh, uh, banks or organizations to get going, but it's all local. So the ambition was not big. Yeah. I mean, this this surprises me, right? And probably uh, it's almost like uh, you made me travel in time back to my neat days. I remember there was a, a study that um, the director of Enid at the time, Simos uh, Fabespes, he asked me and some colleagues to do on the engineering schools in Algeria, and um, we were surprised to discover that they had, they have, they still have, almost like. I forget the percentage, but the huge percentage of all engineering schools in Africa are actually based in Algeria. So it's probably more quantity than quality. But the, the fact that they have, they are churning out so many engineers. Exactly. I'm thinking maybe it's the reason why. Uh, of course, you yeah. This, I think yeah. Yeah, if you if you have a, a big quantity, the few that you can get at a high quality will will. will for sure, yeah. For you, sure. you can you can get those at least because you have the material. When you have. If you can, uh, if you have a small quantity, then it's harder to find actually the, the almost like a statistical truth, right? Exactly, I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah so that how to, how to, uh, then since 2011, then things start changing, right? I mean, and it changed not because of government. I don't think that was the government program or anything. I think uh, that that made that. It's because people felt like now they can start uh, creating, they can do things, and. Uh, it's more open. Uh, they, they, they are less fearful, and uh, they work in the open, right? And uh, they mm. start having a small community. The social internet, I think, the social networking played a lot because it connected all these people together. And now they know each other, and they talk, and there is a community. And I think that community inspires other to follow. And it was like a small uh, kind of cascading effect. And and then. At some point, there was enough for other uh, entrepreneurs to feel like, oh, there is a community of entrepreneurs. We can build on, around them this ecosystem. So we found Kojit workspace starting. I mean, there are... Uh, a ripple effect, basically. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And others actually uh, parallel infrastructure for entrepreneurship start, uh, start being there. Uh, there was like few 
not fun, but few investors, uh, angel investor and others that start actually to promote that uh, that uh, the, the ecosystem. And I think people will start having hope. Uh, a lot of programs, international programs, start investing also on some of uh, uh, the infrastructure. And then lately, of course, I mean, with the Endeavor, Biat Labs, Flat Six Labs, and uh, Founder Institute, there, there is now, and then and Tilak, and then... Uh, uh, there was also a fund uh, of Oridu at some point that was uh, that was done. I think now it's the Qatari fund. So, so the ecosystem now there are there is there are people there are ideas and there are there is support. And I think from now on it's very it's, it's going to be very hard to to go back. I think it's always it's going to be going forward and uh, being uh, uh, going to the, from uh, basically to the best, hopefully. So on that on that note, right? Uh, maybe. Um... Almost to, to, to preface this next topic, right? Uh, in the U.S., we tend to say, at least when people compare Americans to French, right? They would say the Americans look at the glass uh, that's, uh, that's with half of it uh, with water, and they say that's half empty, right? Yeah. Uh, or half full, the American spirit, right? It's half full. So full being the best thing, so it's half full. Whereas the French are more cynical. They would say, like, that's half empty because our it's more like the optimism of the the North American culture versus the cynicism or or pessimism of the Mediterranean culture, yeah. uh, right? So I think if we take this uh, metaphor to Tunisia, right, uh, since the 2011, one can either say that um, we should leave time to time, right? Uh, like you said, things are evolving, a number of incubators uh uh, are coming uh, are kind of like popping up everywhere. Uh, lots of money is going into VC uh, funding. A number of initiatives, both uh, from academia as well private sector, are trying to really teach uh, young graduates how to become entrepreneurs, what it takes to build a company. So that's the let's say the optimist view. The pessimist view could say it has been a number of years now since the revolution, and a number of initiatives. But are we seeing the fruits of so much investment or so much energy going into this? Right, you and I tend to be on the optimistic. Uh, yeah, I, I, I tend I tend to be always looking at the uh, half full. I mean, uh, when you go into Nice, I think in general, uh, not even I'll not even talk about the French part of it. I think it could be that it was inherited from the French, but it is. Uh, it is very common that you go to Tunisia as soon as you uh, set feet in there, you start pe- 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 listening to, uh, hearing people complaining about everything. Yeah, everything. yeah. No, I said Mediterranean cynicism, so right? That, but that, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, and then I am kind of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, I don't pay that attention to all of that. I pay attention to it. We can make make a change and push things forward. Even now with all of that and people still start complaining, of course there are problems. Of course, the government can, the legislation can change to make to, to make the startups and the entrepreneurship like first citizen in the economy. Uh, of course, but uh, also, I mean, you have to, it doesn't have to be easy. I mean, an entrepreneur doesn't rely on others to do anything. They will rely on themselves and they go around all the problems and they, and they get where they want to get. Uh, if you come to the U.S. and you, if you want to look at the half uh, empty, you will find a lot of problems. I mean, uh, the, uh, the rate of success for startups is in the single digit. If it's not in the fraction of single digit, sometimes it's not that easy. A lot of people fail, but they keep going. They keep doing it, and they keep because that's what they do. They they yeah. fail fast. And they that's do. the key, right? Because when people hear like lots of people fail, which is true, 
lots of people who succeed are the same people who have failed multiple times. Exactly. It's, I would not say failure. I would say people are learning. They yeah, try yeah. something. And they, again, if you are an entrepreneur with the, with, a, with a small capital, with a lot of ideas, a lot of execution, and uh, you spend six months, one year, two years on the, on the wrong thing, and you, you fail, you still have time. You can actually stand up and learn from that and do the right thing next time. That's how it works. It's never like nobody has a success rate of startups at 100%. So if you fail, you should not complain. You should thank God I have this experience. Now I know what, what, what I should not do. So that's yeah, the part yeah. that, that I think we need to. That's the culture of entrepreneurship. I've seen people in Tunisia, actually, where they were, they were struggling for years and um, they were focused on the right thing, focusing on learning and getting better and, uh, uh, and, uh, and get there. So... And also, there is an excess in Tunisia. One of the things I've seen is I don't know if it could be a thing or a bad thing. There are lot, so the ecosystem sometimes are like uh, it's almost the same for the last six years. What we call the usual suspects. There are a few startups. They're still there. They're going to all the events. They go to all the uh, uh, competition. And uh, since last year, but now we can see because there is a lot of uh, events, a lot of uh, uh, incubation and acceleration happening. You, you're, I'm seeing new faces, new companies that I've never heard before so i think it is moving to the right direction and Perfect. we have now we we, not, we, not, we have now enough uh, uh quantity to create an ecosystem that will be here to stay and not not to disappear hopefully so on that note right so when can you maybe spend some time to discuss um how your involvement with endeavor came to be and then uh, uh the work that uh, you have been kind of leading with our friend Ghazi Rahman <coughs> sure. uh yeah, so I mean, I've been always, uh, I mean, uh, in connection with the startup ecosystem in Tunisia, whether by connection to friends or whether by uh, doing uh, mentoring, people reach out to me sometimes for ideas, for advice, and uh, I, I, I do that uh, very happily. And uh, uh, at some point, uh, I was never actually able to find the right organization where I can do things uh, in an official way. Until I got contacted by Endeavor, Endeavor was very interested in opening Tunisia. So Endeavor is a global, it's a non-profit organization. It's a global organization that is present, I think, in uh, in all continents, uh, everywhere almost. Oh. And, and they, what they do is they take companies uh, at an inflection point where companies that, that uh, small or big doesn't matter, but companies that are not uh, like growing put exponentially let's say people so companies that are making money for some years establishing they have a business they have a good business but they have an inflection point where they can scale and they can make big impact in the ecosystem where they are so these are the criteria it's a company that can make impact and uh, by impact probably uh, hire a lot of people and directly or directly create a new ecosystem in the country where there will be more jobs and more opportunities and also get to the global market uh, and because of, sort of the non-profit part of it, uh, Endeavor is uh, one of the criteria they're looking for are entrepreneurs who are willing to give back at some point, whether it's mentoring or capital to others uh, in the future when they get successful. So that's it's a, non, it's a non-profit organization. It is a, you, so it is you are really investing in and uh, as part of Endeavor, investing in the board, investing in the uh, process and. Uh, you are part of it, but you have also the brand of Endeavor. I found that for the first time, I feel like I felt like this is what I wanted. This is what I needed. It's a non-profit organization. There is no, uh, there is no uh, tainting whatsoever with uh, any anything, and uh, it, it I, I am part of it. So I felt that's the right thing to do. So 
Endeavor was established with the help of the Biak in Tunisia uh, for the first year. And, and I think it was very cru crucial to uh, and very helpful to have Biak uh, uh, helping the, uh, the Endeavor org in Tunisia. And uh, since then, we were very successful. We have our own, our first selection, and we went to the international selection uh, uh, panel in New York, in Brooklyn, actually, last week. And we have our first Tunisian company selected to be part of the uh, Endeavor Entrepreneur globally. That's great. That, and that's actually Cognera, uh, and uh, uh, from our uh, known friend, common friend, Hatem Salami, uh, a type member. And a so shout that, out to Hatem, our friend. Yeah. And Cognira.com. C-O-G-N-I-R-A.com. So, and we have the pipeline, a few other companies, the board. We have a very good board. We are supported by Endeavor Globally. I think it's a, I think it's a, good, it's a good way to be involved for me. That's great. That's great. And then what about the, the fund? Uh, so the fund, officially, there is no, I mean, there will be some, some, some time if, if, we get, uh, if we get there. But, I mean, so the idea is what? The idea is in Tunisia, the ecosystem, if you look at the distribution of uh, the support of, in, in this ecosystem, you'll find that there is uh, ideation, let's say like uh, working Kojit or others, the, that is uh, ideation, that is incubation and acceleration. Endeavor acts in the middle for, uh, and, the, and they will actually connect you with the investor, but doesn't really invest itself for, but it has all the support for opening markets, getting an investor, and it is in the established company. So I will say it's startup, but still established startup for some time. But the gap is for the uh, investors, where we're talking about Series A's plus uh, fund, big tickets, uh, two to five uh, million dollars tickets. I don't think that that exists in Tunisia yet. So, uh, Ghazi and myself thought that in order to get there is a pipeline going from uh, ideation to incubation to acceleration, but after that, they get like a uh, few hundred thousand dollars, no support, and then they are out on by themselves. They don't get all what the VC will give to a company here in the valley. The network, the money, the other companies that uh, are, are part of the same fund, the connection, and so forth. So, and so we decided that we should work on finding a way of getting a VC fund created for uh, the Tunisian ecosystem, for Tunisian entrepreneur. And we should not restrict this fund to only Tunisian working locally, but also to Tunisian who, have, who are headquartered outside of the US, of Tunisia, but have also the operation in Tunisia. Because I think for the best way for an exit to go around uh, all the different... Uh, uh, problem of uh, legal system, legal and uh, foreign exchange and all of that is to have a operation in Tunisia and have the, the headquarters of the company outside so that financially you, you are really independent from uh, from what can happen in, 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 from the legal part here in Tunisia. So that's the idea. Okay. The idea is these are big tickets, so 5 million plus or around that. Uh, and then we are working with some organization and some other investors to see uh, how we can build that fund. Okay, so the the other thing, maybe uh, the final topic, right? When it comes to funding, to financial flows, one of the probably the most intractable problems that um, Tunisian entrepreneurs are dealing with is, is basically the flow of money, right? So you can send money to Tunisia, but to get money out, right? Because of the central bank kind of uh, uh, complete control of the uh, of uh, hard currency inflows outflows right uh, yeah. i know that uh, many companies like even paypal they try to really get into the market 
but there is still a great deal of control, which is frustrating because uh, you and I discussed this multiple times, even for crowdfunding projects or even micro lending projects, right? The fact that it's difficult to get money out uh, is is, uh, is a major issue. Anything you would recommend, right? I mean, I hope we can get somebody from the Ministry of Finance at some point to really talk with us and see what's next on that front. But as long as there is this um, restriction by the central bank, it, it's a major problem. So what did you see in terms of like workaround, even for in terms of entrepreneurs to, to attract foreign foreign investment? So the only, I mean, really, it's, this is a, this is very sad because I mean, um, looking around, we see there is no way today. There is no way today. So the uh, central bank in Tunisia is in control of the flow of money, and uh, by the way, it's both ingress uh, uh, and egress. So both uh, money coming in or coming money coming out. So we think that money coming in will not be a problem having that, but I can tell you that even money coming in is a problem. Uh, because uh, there are a lot of uh, you never it's, so the, one of the things they, they understood and then everybody's saying it's the inconsistency. So I can send today uh, an amount of money to anyone or any company in Tunisia. There is no consistency or predictability of when it will it will get there. It could be forty eight hours or it could be two months. That's how far they can be from each other, and that is not good for them, of course. And they, they, also, there is a lot of uh, even if you buy the law and do everything you need, the timing part, the timing part is not under your control. Uh, so, for an investor to bring in, so it, there are laws and there are ways it's, that legally you can invest in Tunisia and get your money back and everything. But uh, there is all that unknown of when and how is it going to be done. So, the only way really to make sure that uh, if if to 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 attract an investor outside of Tunisia is to have an entity outside of Tunisia. I mean, that's, that's sad to say, but, yeah. but that's the only, the only way so that you can uh, uh, at least focus on your, uh, on your product and uh, on the business and not focus on dealing with the administration. And it's really actually yeah. the law. So there is, there is the part which is the law of, of exchange, foreign exchange of currencies, but there is also the administration way of doing things that is not predictable and consistent. And that's, so those are the two big problems that an entrepreneur in Tunisia, if he's successful, will find. And uh, I, I don't think that any investor or any uh, fund will will cope with this kind of problems. They don't have to. Why should they? Yeah, absolutely. I recall at one of the one of the uh, I think state uh, state department uh, sponsored events in Washington D.C. There was a group from UTK that attended, and they were talking to. Uh, I forgot the name of the entity, but the U.S. has some kind of government-backed bank that does invest in 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 poor countries to kind of support entrepreneurship, etc. And USAID. one Tunisian, yeah, no, 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 another one. But anyways, so this this um, Tunisian attendee, uh, I do recall the moment very vividly because it kind of saddened me to some extent. So he stood up and uh, he was basically shouting. You have to invest in Tunisia. So he was appealing to the emotions more than to the brains, right, of, yeah. of the of the of this committee, right. And to me, some people could, for sure, Tunisia still enjoys a great deal of uh, capital of sympathy, and people look at it as the beacon of freedom of the Middle East, the only successful Arab Spring kind of uh, experience, etc. But people also need to realize that we live in a very competitive environment and businessmen do not make decisions, but they might make charity decisions based on emotions, but they don't make business decisions based on, on emotions or, or appeal to their hearts, right? 
So that's the, I think the other part of the Mediterranean that that that, that passion of that we, we think in the power of the word of, of words in in, in, in investment uh, and in business and that doesn't work like that. I mean there is a competition. You can be a good talker if you don't have a good plan behind you. I mean there is nothing that will be that will happen. I think what we're talking about is the IFC and the and that's why for example for for getting investment in Tunisia, uh, but uh, with Razi and with the with the idea of the fund is to say. Let's have this headquarter of these companies being outside of Tunisia. Let's have their operation being in Tunisia, like 90% of the, the, the employment happen in Tunisia, so that we at least we eliminate the problem of uh, of uh, you know the, the administration and the legal uh, ecosystem that is not that is really very very old and obsolete right now for startups and for investors in this area. Uh, the, the, if you can see the Silicon Valley, I mean. The uh, in, in in the U.S. in general, I mean everything. All is toward not creating any problem to the business, basically. So uh, if you even for employment, the the employer always have the law on his side more than anything else. So it has its plus and minus, but still, the most important thing is to create the wealth and the business. After that, we can regulate more uh, later on. But in the beginning, you need to really open it up, not not uh, not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I understand, I understand, and for sure you do too, Sami. We, we understand uh, the fear of the central bank with our currency reserves dwindling, uh, uh, I mean, to some really alarming levels this past summer based on like news stories, etc. that for them to really open up the dinar to like uh, to freely flow on the international market could make a dollar kind of explode or the we, euro explode. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we both we both know that the only way to get out of this uh, circle is to open it up. So you can yeah, keep, yeah. We need to swallow the You can, you the keep, pillow, you can keep right? protecting and going down, or you open it up and you, you absolutely. You go, you go, yeah. You go so up. that's the thing. It's almost like being on the ex- so to, to be on that extreme of like fear, etc. Right. I mean, at the minimum, if they can create some kind of buffer buffer fund to really. Help even with micro fund, micro lending, right? Because there will be like inflows, outflows. Test something, right? But not stay in your corner and be yeah, crippled by fear, and then block so much because Tunisians abroad, uh, foreign investors, there is so much money that can pour so, into the country. By keeping what, 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 what keeping doing what we're doing, it will happen by itself. Because right now, actually, the, the bank, the central bank is uh, trying to whenever actually so whenever the banks between themselves uh, have bigger demand for the currency the bank the central bank will put some of its currency at a lower price so that the dollar can can maintain stability but at some point actually they don't have enough of this uh, uh, currency because foreign currency because they are paying debts and their debt payment is becoming almost at the level of the reserve they have once they stop supporting the local uh, market for currency that will happen by itself. The the dinar will get the value that it needs to get, and the only way to make it work, to make, to make it up, is to create uh, the economies uh, ecosystem that uh, create productivity and export and uh, people more, more employment and more product. So that's the only way. The, the only way to make the dinar strong is by producing more and exporting more. I mean, there is no. There yeah, is yeah, no absolutely. It's interesting, right? What you said earlier, like the unpredictability of the banking sector, right? If there is a sector that's in need of great. Other than the central bank kind of loosening the rules and opening up like a, a conversion, etc., our banks are like way stuck, way behind. You made a point earlier, Semi, on um, on the banking sector, right? Unpredictable. You would do. You make a wire transfer. 
you execute a wire transfer, you don't know whether it will reach its destination in Tunisia in two days or like two weeks or whatever. But, but that, that's, mostly, obviously, that's mostly everything goes through the, through the central bank first, and that's why... The yeah, 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 central bank, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even our banks, right, in terms of uh, innovating, coming up with new things, right? So I hope like some of the entrepreneurs in Tunisia are trying to target the banking sector as drive for, for new ideas, novel ideas, right? To really yeah. shake it off its uh, its complacency for the past uh, several if decades. You think, if you think about the banks, the banks are looking for their next 30 or 20 years customer. And the customers, I mean, if you want to have businesses in your bank, you have sometimes as a strategy, you have to go and encourage the creation of these businesses. And some banks are aware of that, like the, the BIAD did invest in the uh, BIAD Labs and is part of Endeavor for that reason. It's really strategically, they need to have small businesses created. They need to have startups. They need to have, because those are the future for future customers of the bank. I think all the banks need to start thinking the same way, because if you don't promote this ecosystem, if you don't create a, a landscape where business are easily created and can get and they are actually mostly successful and you optimize for their success as a bank you are losing you, you'll be losing customers you will not be able to actually sustain the, the, the existence of the bank itself so it's very critical that uh, so entrepreneurship and small business creation is very critical to these banks yeah absolutely um, let's hope uh, that some of the uh finance ministry people are listening will listen to this right and hopefully we'll, we'll get in touch with some of them and maybe uh, have a roundtable to really discuss next steps and maybe take a look uh, they must have modeled this right what is the risk uh, if there are ways for the uh, for the diaspora also to help it is time to really open up uh, the market in Tunisia because it's it's basically a self-inflicted inflicted wound right of exactly. not opening up the market and then so much uh, money outside is really hesitant to to get into Tunisia because there is no guarantee of of uh, getting your money back or even getting your dividends or return on investment it's it's really unfortunate anyway yeah, the, other, uh, the, the, other, the other thing i want to add also is that i mean the we tend to always be so if 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 you look if from a european perspective if you look at what's what's in tunisia there you'll not you, you'll feel like you will not fill the gap. But I think because of uh, our background here in the U.S., we see that as a nonsense. But I think be, there is a lot of it that was inherited from the French and European way of looking at banking and, and investment from the banks, which is completely different when you come here to the U.S. on how banks work and uh, how they invest. So I, I think also that uh, we, we are actually, we, we look out more to France and to uh, the, the European countries more than we look up to the how the U.S. are doing things, and that's that's I think one of the uh, things that's not helping too. Yeah, absolutely, Sammy. Uh, uh, thank you for your time. I think this was very, uh, uh, very informative. Uh, and um, any any final words before we close this episode? No, th thank you for um, uh, this opportunity, and hopefully, will uh, this will uh, uh, help get the discussion further and uh, open up the. Uh, uh, the, the dialogue. All right. Thank you, bud, and hope to see you soon. Yep. Take care, man. Bye. Bye. So that was my chat with Sammy. Hopefully, it's uh, the first of many conversations we're going to have with Sammy and other 
uh, Tunisians in Silicon Valley to focus on technology trends and uh, startups. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to send us uh, an email at uh, podcast at type.org. Take care.